How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. Catapulting Commissions family, welcome back. Incredibly excited to have you. We have another phenomenal guest on our show today. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Shahab Anari. He helps entrepreneurs, coaches, and consultants build their brand, get more clients, and make more impact. He's on a mission to help ambitious subject matter experts join the top 1% in their field. Dr. Anari helps his audience build a strong personal brand by providing them with coaching, mentoring, speaking opportunities, book publishing deals, and much more. Every year, he speaks at close to 100 events on topics of personal and business development, where he has shared the stage with legendary speakers such as Brian Tracy, Jack Canfield, and Robert Kiyosaki. He also consistently creates content for his 200,000 engaged followers on social media. Dr. Anari has many feathers in his cap. More than 20 years ago, he came first in the nationwide university entrance exam in Iran among more than 1 million contenders. He then finished medical school and graduated as a general practitioner, but due to his prominent academic success, he went on to become a very well-known success coach. As an immigrant, he achieved a lot of accolades, including being named a top 75 Canadian immigrant in 2020. Dr. Anari has been featured on the Wall Street Journal, Yahoo Finance, and Toronto.com, and is now a contributor to Forbes. He is a member of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, also sits on the board of the International Coaching Federation, the Toronto chapter. His other volunteer works include holding regular free seminars and webinars for professionals, being a mentor with Futurepreneur Canada, and helping newcomers at the YMCA. Dr. Nari is the dad of two beautiful sons, Kaysen and Aiden. He's happily married to his wife, Caddy, and you can reach him at North Star Success. Dr. Nari, 21 books, 2 million copies sold. Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's show. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for having me on the call. I'm, I'm super excited about this conversation. Dr. Nari, you have a plethora of value to share with my audience today. One of the things that I really I want to dive into first, and we'll pivot here, but you have a signature keynote on mental resilience, which is the foundation for successful salespeople. Can you give us a little premise behind the mental resilience that is needed for people to be successful in entrepreneurship, in sales, anything that they have control of? Absolutely. You know, the journey of entrepreneurship is, you know, filled with obstacles, roadblocks, you know, all different kinds of barriers to success. And, you know, success is never a straight line. We have always been told that. Uh, and as somebody who has moved between three different countries, uh, changed his career from a medical doctor to a coach slash speaker, immigrated to a new country, I have had my own share of obstacles and roadblocks and challenges. And I know for sure that uh, in order to implement any change, Anthony, you know, you have to you have to be resilient. I think one of the most important skills that any any professional, especially entrepreneurs, need to have is resilience. And resilience means striving through adversity, you know, um, bouncing back instead of breaking. And um, especially in sales, where 
you know, you were the expert. Uh, it's more important than anything else because you keep getting rejected all the time when you're in sales. Even now, people look up to me as a leader in my field, at least in Toronto. Uh, I sit on the board of ICF Toronto International Coaching Federation. I run very big events in Canada. But even today, people look up to me and uh, maybe 99% of them don't know that I get rejected 90% of the time. Whenever I talk to prospects, uh, I always get ready. You know, I prepare myself. Uh, there will be nine no's before I finally get a yes. So, yeah, so resilience is key. One of the most important skills in entrepreneurship. And it's all about the mind game. And it's all about the fact that if you change your mindset, if you change your thoughts, if you change the way you talk to yourself, then what happens is that your emotions will change and eventually your actions will change. Will finally will lead to different results. I like that. When you say speaking to yourself, you're changing the mindset, the emotions change, eventually the actions change. And it's, it's such a, a simple concept, Dr. Nari. I mean, we, we hear it now. And, and you and I are, we, you know, I, I'm, I'm very proud to say I also participate in that self-talk that coach myself up. The top athletes in the world talk to themselves all the time. However, I come across thousands of entrepreneurs and salespeople that say, oh, that's crazy. Like, I'm not going to sit in the bathroom and talk to myself. And I'm like, I do. You said nine out of 10 people are telling you no. And it's really funny, right? You see the accolades, you know, you, you have... Uh, a tremendous following, 200,000 followers. You have 2 million book copies sold. So we're like, oh, you're successful. But no one sees behind closed doors when you're like, all right, I got this many deals rejected. I was told no hundreds of times. Uh, you know, I've, I've been, you know, I've been a potential guest on, on large podcasts. We're like, oh, not, not yet today. Not right now, Anthony. So people don't see the rejection that comes. They just see the success. So that mental resilience, that adversity is so key for entrepreneurs and salespeople to have. Speaking of like that adversity, I, I have to ask here, as Canada named you one of the top uh, 75 uh, immigrant entrepreneurs in 2020, and you came over, you built a phenomenal brand, a phenomenal business. Can you walk us through the early stages of building your brand, your business in a new market, a new world? I mean, we always talk about it. It's, you know, it's fun to build a business with friends and family around. But you are like, hey, I'm going to cross, go completely new, and you're going to build it. Can you walk us through that early stages? So absolutely. So um, I'm originally from Iran, and I trained as a medical doctor 20-something years ago. Um, I, I, I was not passionate about medicine, and um, I did it because it was the common practice. It was the tradition. And, and you know what? It, it's a tradition in Eastern uh, culture, you know? Uh, you have to be a, either a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Like in Iran, that's the mentality. And so I went into med school. I didn't like it. I was passionate about teaching and coaching. So although I finished med school, uh, as a medical student, I started teaching other high school students and getting into this field. And then it grew from there. I started with high school students and then I built my own business, worked with um, a lot, lots of entrepreneurs afterwards, became a guest on TV and, you know, that type of stuff. I built a really successful brand in Iran. But then 
my wife and I decided, okay, this is the ceiling for our success here in Iran. We need to move to uh, a new country where there are more opportunities. So we decided to move to the Netherlands and eventually we landed in Toronto, Canada. But in Toronto, Canada, nobody knew me. Still, nobody knows me. Some people have difficulty pronouncing my name. And I say that with huge pride because even if uh, you're an immigrant, even if you're new to a field, even if nobody can even pronounce your name, you still can believe in yourself and tap into your expertise, your skills, and shine and stand out. And sometimes, let me tell you this, Anthony, it might be of value to your, to your audience. Sometimes, uh, not sometimes, always, what makes you unique makes you successful. Let me repeat that. What makes you unique makes you successful. Honestly, I contribute most of my success here in Canada to being an immigrant, to being somebody that is not like everyone else, being somebody that has come from a different background, a coach that used to be an MD. And I'm telling you this because I think so many of us discount our skills, discount our background, discount our expertise, discount where we come from culturally, um, our ethnicity, our um, education and so on and so forth. So back to your question, the earliest stages for me, um, very challenging. It was very challenging. So the first year, I obviously had to start from scratch. Uh, I knew nobody in Canada. I wanted to um, obviously become an entrepreneur and be successful. I had my own expenses just like everybody else, but nobody was coming in. After the end of the first year, I hit a wall. I kind of fell into depression, uh, started getting anxiety attacks. Uh, I have a chronic disease. I've had that for a few years. It's called IBD, inflammatory bowel disease. And my IBD went into a flare. So it was a very low period in my life after the first year. But again, what I tapped into was that uh, I knew I was resilient. I knew that I had done it in the past and I could do it again. So after the first year, I asked myself, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What needs to be changed in order for me to be successful? Yes, I have the knowledge, I have the expertise to be a successful coach or speaker, but why am I not seeing the results? And when I became humble with myself and uh, you know, accepted the fact that, that I didn't know certain things about how business worked in North America, I started and became a student and started teaching myself the way marketing and sales works in North America. And slowly, but steadily, my business started to take off. You know, there's so much value you just shared in that because you had success somewhere else, came to Canada, started over. That year one wall you hit, right, where the self-depression gets in. I think every salesperson, whether you work for yourself, you work for a company, hits that one year, holy crap, like <laughs> I'm not getting the results I want right now. This is, this is tough. Um, then you go into like sales entrepreneurs, right? Insurance agents, real estate agents, uh, mortgage officers, people who are commission only and want to build a successful brand, want to build an income, but year one, they're not there and they, they hit that wall. Was there, and, and you talked about, you went back in like a self-reflection, you humbled yourself, you continue to educate yourself, but mentally, 
Was there a mental shift or was there something that said, you know, what was that point? I guess, what was the thing that made you say, I need to do this? I understood you self-reflected, but was there a low point or was there something that pulling at you, tugging at you? Was there a goal that said, I have to make a change today? Absolutely. You know, uh, there came a point where I sat down and I uh, really got very clear with myself about my goals. And at that point, at the end of the first year in business in Canada, I realized that I had only two choices. Number one, to make it work in Canada. Number two, to go back home. And uh, I didn't want to go back home because my wife and I had decided to immigrate to Canada in search of a better future. We wanted it to be an opportunity for our kids. So I didn't want to go back home. So I didn't have a plan B. I did have a plan B. Let me, let me correct myself. I didn't have a goal B, right? <laughs> it was just goal A. Yes, I changed my plans. I had a plan B because plan A was obviously not working. I changed to the plan B, but there's a distinction here. Let me clarify that. You, I think entrepreneurs should have a clear ideal vision. They, they, they mustn't change it. The, the ideal vision is always there. But you can always change the plan, the journey, the pathway to get to that goal. So I didn't change my goal. The goal was still the same. I wanted to be a successful coach, speaker, um, consultant, and make an impact on my audience, help them reach the top 1% in their field. But obviously, the plan I had in place was not working. So I told myself, I don't want to go back. I have to make it work here. And that was the decision point. That was the turning point where I, just like I shared with you, I humbled myself and I start, became a student and I started learning stuff that actually helped me afterwards. I like what you said. There is a plan B, but there is no goal B. There is no second place in your goal. And, and that, that is so fundamental for, for my audience to hear. For sales professionals, you have one goal, right? Generate revenue, sell your product, drive into it, make money. There's multiple ways to get there. And Dr. Nari explains how he went from plan A to plan B, but there was no goal B. There was no, hey, I'm going to quit this, right? And, and I, I really like that. So you've established this career. You've built a humongous brand where you're helping people become top 1% in their field. Now, when someone wants to become that 1% in their field, is we clearly, we've already established, you don't need to be well-known. You don't need to be from the area. What is the key to become that 1% in your field? Honestly, Anthony, I believe that it's all about branding. Uh, because at the end of the day, the product you're selling, the service you're offering, it's very much similar to everyone else. Uh, so what makes you stand out? What differentiates you from the other people out there doing the same thing is your brand. It's actually you. And by brand, I mean the personal brand. You as the service provider, as the entrepreneur. And it doesn't matter what you sell, what kind of service, what kind of product you sell, uh, and uh, which company you belong to. It really doesn't matter that much. What matters is you as the personal brand. So by personal brand, I mean, what's your unique promise of value? Unique promise of value. And there are three parts in that definition. Unique, promise, and value. So what's unique about you? 
What is it about you as the person, not about the product and service, about you that makes you stand out from the crowd? Number two, promise. What is the promise that you're making to your audience that you can deliver on? Because there are so many people making fake promises out there, but you can't sustain it. So what is the promise that you can actually deliver on? And number three, it's value. Is it really valuable to your audience? Is it really something that they are looking for? Or is it something that just excites you as the provider? So again, I believe the thing that really matters for people to get to the top 1% is building their personal brand. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I like how you, you broke it down really simple. Unique, promise, value. What makes you unique? What's a promise you can deliver? And how much value can you deliver? And building a personal brand, when it comes to sales professionals, sales entrepreneurs, it's, it's very simple. You only have one reputation. Why not make it the best reputation possible? And when you're in crowded fields, I think this personal brand you mentioned and becoming that top 1% is going to make a difference. You, you know, there's, there's people who every, every year, every day, someone's trying to get their real estate license. Someone wants to join this, the, the area of real estate or commercial real estate. It's a crowded field, right? Every, you talk to somebody, they know four different real estate agents. Sure. What makes you that one? What, what puts you in that one? It's not, it's not my ability to access the MLS list. It's not my ability to send an email. It's not, it's not the cute decorations I put up at an open house or the balloons. That's not it. It's building that personal brand on uniqueness, promise, and value. Um, now, when, when somebody wants to build this personal brand to become that top 1%, what are some of the mental hurdles that they have to get over? Because it's really easy to say, you teach it, you, you, you build it. I have a personal brand. I, 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 I get it. But what are some of the hurdles that some of your clients have or people that want to get to that personal branding status have to overcome? Absolutely. That's a great question. So one of the hurdles is that, and one of the biggest hurdles is that a lot of people don't want to put themselves out there for fear of being rejected, for fear of being ridiculed, for fear of, you know, being not good enough and so on and so forth. So it's out of fear. And um, it's valid. It's a valid concern, but it's a choice. At the end of the day, you can be drowning in the sea of sameness, just like everybody else, just like 90% of the people in your market. And you and the other choice is to stand out and to differentiate yourself from the crowd. And the thing is, when you stand out, when you become prominent, there will be pros and cons. You know, There will be people who will like it and will like you, and there will be people who will dislike it and dislike you. So it's a given, and it's a choice. And if you, if you do it consciously with, with a real clear head, with awareness, then you know that, okay, I'm going to put myself out there share my voice, share my uniqueness. And those people who really want to work with me will get attracted to me. And those who won't, then they, they, they will just go away. And uh, I'm totally fine, fine with that. So the most important hurdle, the mental hurdle, is about the fear of putting yourself out there. 
Okay, I, I would agree with that. And, and I, from someone who went from uh, social media unknown to content on a daily, weekly basis, I, I agree. I, I can see that and I go back on my branding journey saying, okay, am I getting in front of the video today? I'm a little overweight. My hair is turning gray. There's, there's all these things that are just like, oh, I don't look good in this angle. There's so much fear. Then it becomes, well, someone doesn't like what I said. Oh, well, if someone doesn't agree with me and, it, and you're trying to please everybody. So, so I, I understand that point. But is there a certain point where someone will say, hey, I, I want to be the top 1%. I have mental resilience. I can do this. I went and I started, you know, putting myself out there for the last two months. Nothing's changed. Is there like a timing? Is there an expectation? When does this hit for someone to start climbing up to becoming that top 1%? Again, great question. So branding is a long game, as, as you would agree with me, Anthony. It's not just lead, just like lead generation. I always, uh, when I'm talking to my clients, I always make that distinction. So it's not direct sales. It's not direct marketing. It's not lead generation. It's branding. So my company, North Star Success, we are a personal branding agency. And we make it very clear for our clients and prospects that this is a long game. For example, when we talk about writing a book, when we talk about speaking as a, as a strategy to build your brand, when we talk about getting featured on media as a way to build your brand, or creating content, uh, just like you are doing right now, podcasts, you know, video content, and so on and so forth, this is a long game. It won't happen overnight. Um, what I've seen personally, it takes anywhere between a year to normally three years on average, for somebody to create a really strong and prominent personal brand. And you know what? Even if it takes three years, somebody, some people just freak out when I say three years. Oh, I don't have three years to spend on my branding. But the thing is, these three years will eventually pass. But if you invest in your brand, while you're trying to generate leads and, you know, and you know, earn more money and get more clients, if you're investing at the same time in your brand, then at the end of the three years, you're not just like everybody else, uh, but you're the top 1%. And you can be working with the people you like, the way you like, and charge them like 10 times more than, uh, you know, that ordinary guy in your market. Do you agree, Anthony? I, I completely agree with you. And, and I'm chuckling because I recall there was a point in time where I contemplated starting a personal brand and it was in 2012 We're in 2020. And I thought about starting and creating a personal brand and I had some experience, I had some expertise. Uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Peter Vogt, who's the author of Six Months to Six Figures, uh, host Game Changers Academy, had just started his brand maybe a year and a half, two years before. And I was like, I was getting his content, I was watching it, but it was, you know, it, it wasn't big. It was just him and he was just growing. He was just growing. Well, now you know, I'm still still in close contact with Peter. His following is quarter million people now. He has shared the stage with Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki. I mean, some of these big, big names. And his revenue is what he charges for his services and coaching and consulting is 10x what it did then. So I laugh because I wish I would have started my brand eight years ago as opposed to within the past year. So I do see it is a long game. And for salespeople, they have a they they have a challenge with that because they're very much transaction based. I drive, I generate revenue, I get paid today. And here we don't necessarily see the fruits of our labor in building a personal brand 
until years down the road. And so I think that that's really important to set that clear expectations for people who want to build a personal brand. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. And, and you mentioned something. You mentioned you know people speaking on stages or people writing books as a strategy for building that personal brand. Well, let's talk about speaking. You are in the top 10% of Canadian speakers. And it took you three years to do so. So in your, in your same example, one to three years, your own analogy, you've hit that. How does somebody build a personal brand that can speak or want to speak and has a message they want to share? How can they get into that speaking world and use that as a, as a method to drive revenue or, or branding? So there are several pieces to that. Uh, one of it is that you, ha- you have to have a message to share in the first place, right? You have to be an expert in something before you can even consider speaking as a strategy to build your brand. Um, number two is being a good speaker and being engaging on stage. And that takes a lot of practice. Uh, for me personally, I'm not the best speaker in the world, but I'm very comfortable in front of large crowds. I've spoken in front of 3,000 people in person and 8,000 people online. So, uh, and, and why am I able to do that? It's not because I'm very special. I've been doing this for 20 something years. I've been a teacher slash trainer speaker for a very long time. So, um, again, number two, it's, it's all about practice, 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 practice. And number three, uh, when you have the expertise, and you, have, and you have done enough practice and rehearsal and you're ready to hit the stage, then when you get on the stage and you find the opportunities to either produce your own event to speak to your audience or speak at somebody else's event and get in front of their audience, then you can instantly um, be considered as the expert in your field, as the go-to authority in your field. And when you get that credibility by speaking in front of people, standing up, speaking in front of people, and being considered the subject matter expert, then 50% of the resistance on the part of the prospect is gone because they already believe in you as the authority in your field. And and then uh, if somebody approaches you, uh, and says, okay, raises their hand, says, I'm interested, then you're already 50% there. You just need to convince them of the value that you provide and you're good to go. You know, as you say that, I think about, you know, I've attended hundreds if not thousands of live events and I've attended events where I have seen speakers with all honesty, they have built such a loyal following. They can hold up a white piece of paper and say, this is the magic paper that's going to hit your goals, share it, drive it, deliver it. 
and you're going to have people who will buy into it because they believe and they follow that person so much. So I, I can definitely see how speaking can help drive uh, revenue for your personal brand, your personal business, your sales, right? If, if you are the real estate expert for mothers of teenage kids and that's your, that's your niche, you can build and drive that. But, you know, I, I got a question here or more of a challenge. You, you made it sound easy when it comes to speaking. How does somebody practice, right? Because I, I, when you, you say that, you know, you, you have a message, completely agree. Make sure it's a good quality message. I agree. Getting in front of the event, doing the event, I agree. But how does someone practice if they don't have a following or they have a small following or, you know, they don't know where to start? Where do people start practicing that public speaking? Absolutely. So, uh, again, uh, I didn't mean to make it sound really easy because I've been doing this for a very long time and I was certainly very bad at it when I first started out and I'm still learning. Um, so... I usually suggest that people who want to get into public speaking uh, either practice at home or in front of their loved ones multiple times or take up courses and join clubs such as Toastmasters. There are Toastmasters clubs uh, all over North America. I think there are clubs uh, around the world as well. And uh, I live in Toronto, Canada. I think there are more than 20 different uh, Toastmaster clubs in Toronto. So, uh, and, and it doesn't matter where your audience lives, uh, the, they can just Google it and they, are, they can find a Toastmasters club. So Toastmasters, for those of you uh, in the audience that don't know what it is, it's a club that is all about public speaking and leadership. So it helps you um, get in front of a group of people who are non-judgmental and you can uh, practice your speeches. You can get uh, non-judgmental feedback from others. And it's a consistent, uh, gradual process. You invest a few months, sometimes a few years to hone your skills and you practice and practice and practice. And there's no way other than getting better when you practice every single day or week. I like that. And Toastmasters is a phenomenal group. I just recently learned that they actually have a competition for public speaking. So if yeah. you are a competitive person and this is something, you can compete in the national or world competition of public speaking. So um, I think that's a great way for people to, to practice. So when it comes to speaking, uh, Dr. Nart, you have shared the stage with some of the biggest names in the game, in the industry of personal development, business development, uh, you know, thought gurus, motivational speakers. I mean, I, I look at some of the names here, Brian Tracy, Jack Canfield, Robert Kiyosaki. I mean, these people, I mean, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad over 20 years ago. Uh, I'm going to age myself, maybe further. <laughs> Anyhow, the book changed my life, right? So how does somebody, you know, build a personal brand? Like, what does that path look like to get from Toastmasters to sharing this stage with one of these big names? Absolutely. So I believe there are two ways to do anything. Either you can do it on your own or you can invest in a platform that already exists. Invest in somebody or an organization that already exists. And I believe it's, uh, you know, this is relevant to any, to almost any um, field or area that we're talking about. For example, if you have a pain in your knee, the first choice is for you to go and find textbooks about pain in the knee or go wa watch a bunch of YouTube videos so that you can find uh, what's wrong with me. And the second choice is to 
you know, go to your doctor and ask for professional advice. If you want to build a table, you can do it on your own, or you can go to a store and buy, buy an already made beautiful table. For speaking on great stages with big names, either you can do it on your own, you can produce the event on your own, or you can invest in a platform that already exists. And by that, I mean, uh, you can start small, you can build on that, you can start small, you can start with um, small groups, produce your own event. Obviously, in the beginning, you can't get, get big name speakers to speak at your event, but as you go along, your audience increases, your influence increases, and you get the ability to book these big name speakers to speak at your event. That's number one, choice number one. Choice number two is to go find platforms that already exist, that provide you with the opportunity to share the stage with these big name speakers. And sometimes they even coach you and prepare you for, for that opportunity as well. And me personally, you're asking, how did I do that? I've done both. I've both produced my own events where I've booked big name speakers to speak at my events. And I've invested in opportunities. I've sponsored some other events uh, and got the opportunity to share the stage with these big name speakers. So it's, and, and um, I want to make it very clear. You don't necessarily have to do either or, you can do both. And I've done both during this, uh, these past few years. I like what you're saying there, Dr. Nara. You've done both. And it's, fu it's funny you mentioned that because as, as I'm growing and, and, and enhancing my own speaking career, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with the second option of, of sharing the stage or, or sponsoring or getting, getting involved there. But I've also contemplated, you know, and this is a kudos to Catapulting Commission's family. I have teetered around the idea of hosting my own annual catapulting commissions live event it's it's in the very infancy stages but the idea behind it was i wanted some big name speakers to impact my audience directly i i have some speakers that would some colleagues who are phenomenal speakers but don't have that platform yet so to provide that platform and three the most important one is to provide value and i think it's fair to mention here as 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 myself and dr nari are talking about this speaking from stage, it's not speaking from stage to say, hey, look at me at how great I am. It's speaking from stage to provide an incredible amount of value, but it is a business decision because we'll be very clear and transparent. There is an offering. There is a product. We are, we are business owners. We're trying to drive and generate revenue. So me speaking on a stage is no different than me paying $5,000 for my local media to run a 30-second um, promotional add-on between 2 and 2.30 or whatever time zone or wherever, wherever it's valuable. So I think it's really important to, to make that distinction that speaking is a method of advertisement. We just look at it in a different world. That's absolutely true. And you put it really beautifully. It's exactly like uh, investing in an advertisement, but it's, I believe it's much more effective than that because uh, people get to know you, get to connect with you as a person. And uh, especially if you're a subject matter expert. Let me clarify that. If, especially if you're a coach, consultant, trainer, advisor, and people want to trust you before they want to work with you, uh, speaking is one of the best ways to both build your brand and generate leads for your business. Absolutely. I think that we need more people sharing and delivering that message. Now, I, I want to end on something here where you just mentioned about coaching. Now, you had a phenomenal career uh, or a phenomenal start to a career. Right? I mean, you you finished 
first place in the university entrance exam among 1 million people. I mean, to finish number one out of a million, you could have said you finished top 100 out of a million. It, it's still, it's still quite impressive, but you're, you're, you have a successful business now, but at that time you made a hard pivot and there is somebody now listening to this show that is at a crossroads where they have security stability, which a career in, you know, typically we, we tend to think that medical doctors or career in medicine is stability, but you made a decision to pivot and again, into coaching, which you and I both know there is no stability. I mean, it, it, you could be great one month and you know, next month you're like, Oh my goodness, I don't even know where my next dollar is coming from. So why did you make that change? It was a very difficult decision. Honestly, it took me years and years of contemplation um, until I finally decided to leave medicine and enter coaching full-time. But the reason why was that I was not passionate about it. I did not like medicine. I honestly, I hated medicine. And, you know, medicine just runs in my family. Everybody is a medical doctor. And I was the black sheep of the family. I didn't like medicine. I hated the times when I was doing night shifts. I had to go to the emergency ward. So you know, I, I, I really believe, Anthony, that this is not a practice life that we are living. It's just we have only got one shot. We have only got one life. And if we feel that we're not passionate about something, and especially if we hate something, if we hate what we're doing, if we hate our jobs, um, we're doing ourselves a disservice if we keep doing that. And um, that was the case for me. I'm not saying that you have to love every single second of what you're doing, even now as a coach and a speaker, I sometimes do not like some aspects of my work, but in total, I'm really passionate about it. Back, back in the day when I was a medical doctor or a medical student, that was not the case. I actually hated it. And I didn't want to continue my life living that way. So after years of contemplation, and it wasn't just like in a snap. It wasn't just like that. It took me years. Uh, I eventually figured that I don't want to do this. And it was a hard decision, but it was worth it. I, I appreciate you sharing that vulnerability because we see the end result where it's success, but you know, only you have that experience. And, and I know at critical points where I've made decisions that weren't popular or weren't safe, it's, it's, it's hard. You really sit there and you have to analyze that. So if you're in that position where you're at that crossroads and you have to make a critical, critical decision, know you're not alone. Know that uh, Dr. Nari has done it. I have done it. There anyone you see who has changed you know, a hard pivot and it's never too late to start. You can make the pivot at any point at any given time that you, that, that you feel uh, fits your role, your life. So as we wrap this show up today, Dr. Nari, there are, there are sales professionals listening to this show right now. I I think of new real estate agents, new sales professionals in, in different industries and sales entrepreneurs, right? They have a, they have a small business. They're, they're just trying to compete at their local level. How does somebody in that stage get started on their personal branding journey? And and how do they get connected with you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for that question. So I believe the first stage in personal branding is clarifying. Clarifying your unique promise of value. And it starts with getting to know yourself. So know yourself to grow yourself. So clarify 
what your unique promise of value is. Be very clear about how you stand out, why you're different from the others before you go out there and spend a lot of time and money and invest a lot of time, money and effort into your marketing and sales funnels. So get very clear about who you are, what you do, how you're different first. That's the first stage. And then with that clarity and awareness, hit the ground running and, you know, carve your niche and, you know, make your mark in the world. Fantastic. I think that clarity, I know yourself to grow yourself is great. And sales entrepreneurs, that message is directed at you. I, I think of my audience and people that have engaged with me that are in that early journey of sales entrepreneurship. Know yourself to grow yourself and building that personal brand. That message is definitely for you. Dr. Nari, how did they get connected with you uh, specifically? Sure. My website is northstarsuccess.com, northstarsuccess.com. And they can find me at Shahab Anari on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Perfect. Shahab Anari, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. You will find that in the show notes. If you're watching the YouTube video, you'll find that in the comments section below. You will also have North Star Success. You'll have that link in the show notes as well as the comments below. Today's show with Dr. Shahab Anari delivered some key, key takeaways on becoming a top 1% in your respective field. Whether it is you're a sales uh, person, you work for a company, you sell a product, or you're a sales entrepreneur, and you have uh, a commission-only structure, you have a small business, there are keys in building your personal brand that will get you to that top 1%. Dr. Onari and his company at North Star Success provides a platform for you to take advantage of that. Dr. Anari, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today on the Catapulting Commission show. It was an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. And Dr. Anari, I make it a habit. I always tell my guests, I'm going to come back and find you in a couple of years to see how much progress both you and I have made. So don't, don't be scared if I reach out to you here now and then the next year or two and bring you back on the Catapulting Commission's podcast. I'd love to. I'm game for that. <laughs> I love it. And I and we have it recorded. So Dr. Nari will come back. Catapulting Commission's family, that's it for today's show. Be sure to click subscribe. Get on the Catapulting Commission's podcast on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your local podcast. All righty. I will see you next week. Well, that does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony P. Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time and I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions.